Hey everyone, and welcome to the Life is Better with You in It podcast. I am your humble host, Jen Kramer, and I'm going to be bringing on people who are making their world, their community a better place, and just telling us about what they do and how they help other people, because life is better with you in it, and also with Kim Stewart. So Kim, welcome. It's so fun to be here. Thank you for having me, Jen. It's so great to be here. You're welcome. So Kim is a an author. She's a writing coach. And that's how her and I met. And I wanted to bring her on because she was a fantastic coach and just a great guide for all things writing. And so Kim, tell us a little bit about you and you know how you became an author and a writer. An author that sounds so fancy. It wasn't a fancy process. It was not a linear process either. Mostly it was yoga pants Mm. and nap time, not my nap time. (laughs) Um, So I got into writing years ago. I was pregnant with my son, Mitch, who is about to turn 18. So it's been a minute and I have, um, you know, it was not a, a straight shot into that. I was an ESL and Spanish teacher for um, high school students and junior high students, and I loved it. But we started our family and I wanted to be home with our daughter, Anna, who is older, three years older than Mitch. And so I got into writing because I scared my husband. He um, was coming home every day to a frantic wife and a newborn. And I would just attack him with tell me everything you heard at work today. Just, I want to know every single word and just tell me all the stories. And I was oddly interested in his stories, even though he was in orthodontic residency and they were dumb stories, very uninteresting, (laughs) a lot of bicuspids and, um, you know, incisors, gingiva flossing. Mm. I just, there's Mm. not really nothing interesting. Mm -mm. in that pool of words, but I wanted to hear all of it just as a shout out from the outside world. And so even though I loved being home with Anna and knew that was something that I wanted to do, he was the one who was like, oh, you're so different. You're just so different from what you used to be. Do you want want to tap into some other interests? Uh, interests? So I took out an old clunky laptop and started pecking away during nap time, which eventually was preschool time or or kindergarten time. And I wrote into a space that I thought was missing. So I I wrote into a gap on the shelf. I thought I'm learning things about being um, a a woman, a mother, what it looks like to be a parent. I was reading the Bible and seeing all this drenched parent language and understanding it differently because Mm -hmm. if God loved me, like I loved my kid, this was a different ball game than I had Mm -hmm. understood. So I was learning all this stuff and all at the same time, I would call my girlfriends and we would laugh our heads off and be very irreverent and tell totally inappropriate stories. And that was a part of how we were coping with that early stage of parenthood. And so when I would go to the bookstore, I couldn't find a book that reflected that experience. I found a lot of very, very, um, serious parenting books that made me feel inadequate and depressed. And then I would also find really kind of silly parenting books with like cartoons on the cover. And I couldn't find anything that fit what I was seeing. So I wrote it. I wrote a story for my girlfriends. Um, And now eight novels later in a new nonfiction book coming out pretty soon, I'm really still doing that. I'm really still writing into the space where I think I think my friends live or I think will make people laugh or cry or think, or preferably all three. Yeah. I 
It's funny. We've been, you've been coaching me for a while and you just told me about a career pivot. I feel like more and more we talk about these career pivots and how, you know, we get to where we want to be and how we don't have to have just one job. So I feel like that keeps coming up in my conversations, even with job seekers now that I talk to. So wild ESL teacher. Nice. Do you remember any of your Spanish? (laughs) Oh, I loved it. Yeah. We lived in Costa Rica when we were first married um, and we've traveled quite a bit. i I loved that part of my life. And I'm glad you mentioned it as a pivot. I'm now at the stage where my daughter and her friends who are all in college are talking about, well, what's next? What's the, Mm -hmm. what's the thing, right? What's the thing. And Mm I try to pedal backward a little bit when we talk about that and say, there's probably not going to be the thing. Maybe, maybe you'll work in the same exact position for 40 years, but most likely you will change. Your interests will change. The industry will change. Your work will change. Mm-hmm. And having an open mind to how things can move and be a little less rigid is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I I am doing things now that didn't exist five years ago. Yeah. I mean, five years ago, we would not have been coaching via Zoom. No one knew what Zoom was. Yeah. Right. There was like Skype, which is so lame. And I didn't, you know what I mean? Like we, I could never find mean? the people I wanted to talk to me either. either. And I always <laughs> forgot my password. <laughs> For sure. There was definitely either error on my end, but you know, if I would have handwritten or just dreamt so big five years ago, this is what I'd love to be coaching mm-hmm. aspiring writers and on, you know, have two podcasts and be able to work with a dear friend and write into a completely new genre. I did not know that that was a thing mm-hmm. because it wasn't. No. And so I just love to encourage those folks in their twenties. And now my daughter is one of them. You're going to be, your socks are going to be blown off. Mm-hmm. If you keep holding all of this really use loosely and remembering who you are and whose you are, yes. you're not going to believe the stuff around the bend. Yes. So many options, like so many ways. I mean, even at my role as a recruiter, I never knew that that job was even possible to help people find jobs. Wild times. Wild times. Oh, great. I bet you're so good at it. (laughs) Thank you. So we're going to talk about another pivot. So you were an author and and now you're an author and a writing coach. What made you want to be a writing coach now that that really is a job? You know what? I love being able to do something that I wanted. I think it's the same thing, actually. I've never thought of that before until you've asked, but same connective thread that I wrote into a space where I couldn't find what I needed. And now being able to coach writers through all of those lonely times when you think, boy, this paragraph is horrible. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. What am I doing writing a book? Um, who am I to think I have my name on the spine of a book? Mm-hmm. Um, I've felt all of those things bazillions of times. And it's so fun to be able to be on that little stretch of road with other people and to say, oh yeah, not only have I been there, I'm going to let you know, you're not going to be here forever. And I think I can see a way out. I can see where this paragraph could be better or where this concept could be stronger or where the structure could be um, better for the reader. And then also the business of books, you know, you can't, you can Google, how do I get a literary agent, but you're going to find a lot of stuff that's not super helpful or even current. So, Mm -hmm. oh, how I would have loved to have somebody say to me, here's a couple, here are a couple shortcuts on the way. So really the coaching comes out of total joy. Yes. It's a little connected to my, my teaching roots, I guess, Mm -hmm. but mostly it's just total joy that I can be 
a help in a space that feels super isolating and lonely sometimes. Yeah. Um, bringing clarity to people and their chapters. I mean, especially even for me when writing my book, I feel like I'm like, wow, I didn't even see it that way until you said it to me in this fashion. You know, I feel like you were able to see some things that were very clear to you, but were not clear to me at all. (laughs) And that's not even, I mean, I wish I could say that's a special sauce, but most times it's just having another really, really attentive reader, right? Most writing we do on our own. So to have somebody else with care, look at your words, respect your words, Mm -hmm. and then say out loud, I think what you're saying is this, but (laughs) we could probably tweak that to be more, you know, more helpful to the reader. So fun. It's so fun to have somebody um, on that journey with you. It's awesome. Yeah. And definitely the person who's getting coached, it requires a lot of work on the, the back end too. Like, it's not just that one hour session. It's what are you going to do after that? So now I want to talk about the way that you give feedback. And I feel like I wanted to bring this up with listeners because, you know, we get feedback a lot, right? We get feedback from our families, our jobs, our, um, you know, things that we do as hobbies or interests. I get feedback from my children, right? Oh, about how mm-hmm. I'm parenting. <laughs> Feed children, dogs, I dogs. might add for you. <laughs> <laughs> neighbors, sometimes yeah. friendly, sometimes not. I mean, it's just, that's where we live. You're right. Yes. And so we get all of this feedback and I, I always felt like your feedback to me, right? We can receive things negatively, positively, but your feedback to me always, it empowered me. And I had to write mm-hmm. this down and it really empowered me versus making me feel dumb. And mm-hmm. so it was like, you handed over this dose of courage and you're like, Hey, look at this from this angle. How, how did you get to a point where you were able to give mindful feedback, right? In a world that is always giving feedback in a world where we're always receiving feedback, even on Facebook, right? Like on Instagram, people are reviewing our stuff. They're reviewing our content and you're just putting yourself out there and you're like, thanks dad for my comment. Like (laughs) what, you know, what made you be able to give mindful feedback or think about the other person who's, you know, getting it? That's the nicest, that is the kindest compliment you could possibly give me in regards to that work. I mean, honestly, I just want to sit here and have you replay that. <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll send this to you so you can have it. Can you but give I was it like, to my kids? I must can ask you- her. I must. <laughs> Can you please make a transcript and I'll give it to my children? You got it. Um, That's very kind of you to say, Jen. Um, I am mindful of it for sure. Because maybe in part because I've been, again, if I've been writing long enough that I've had a ton of editors and Mm -hmm. a ton of Amazon reviews and a ton of interactions with Publishers Weekly and other places that are, they open what you've done looking for a no, right? Mm -hmm. They look that's kind of, that has to be their posture, which, which is providing a service to other readers saying, is this worth your eight hours? And so that can be so utterly devastating and so painful. Even if you have a fairly healthy self-concept, it is hard to hear someone say, I know you worked on this. Let's start over. And Um, so maybe it's just my own, um, that's it's tender with me because yeah. especially with writing, it's so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's vulnerable if you're writing a novel about fake people and it's maybe more vulnerable when you're writing about you mm-hmm. and about what you've learned and where you have failed. So 
I, that's been a learned thing for me, I think, because I'm so eager for the words to be better and for, to be clearer that I try to back way up before we get to that part and think this has taken so much courage to push these pages into someone else's inbox. It's still terrifying for years in. And so, um, and I just think people hear us better if we are kind. Mm. I'm not saying you, I'm not saying we make stuff up, right? Like I'm not, I I'm very careful not to say, you know what the Pulitzer committee called this morning and they would like to give you a literary prize and a million dollars. I mean, (laughs) I've known coaches who do that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Here's your trophy. (laughs) Um, I don't think that serves anybody, you know, I, it might feel good in the moment, but that's not very kind either, but there is something to be said for the old saying that you attract more flies with honey than vinegar. And the reason for that is, is that we are so desperately human and Mm -hmm. we want to know, is there anything here worth keeping? Do you see me as a human being, as a creative and a created force? Because if not, I probably won't hear what you have to say. If you are kind first, then we're building this trust that, oh, she sees me as a person. I'm not just a transaction for her. I mean, who the heck cares if someone says it teaches you how to you know, capitalize well, but they're a brute about it. Who, who cares if you have a fantastic book proposal, but the process is so agonizing and you feel so defeated that, okay, well, the 25 pages are really awesome, but I'm a shell of a human being. Like, no, thanks. <laughs> have nothing that doesn't left. sound fun to me. Right. You don't even want to write that dumb book anymore. So I don't know. I, it's probably coming out of my own experiences of, I have seen the difference between an editor or a friend or a copy editor or a publicist or an agent or a I have two parents who are just so they are absolute rock stars in infusing courage in me. And I know I respond to better than cutting down every time. Mm, That's awesome. So these learned experiences help you give feedback in a more mindful way. I feel like for, for our listeners, you know, that's a great lesson and a great nugget that we can take away that, you know, when we are giving feedback, which we're giving feedback all the time, right? In our jobs, in our lives with people, it maybe just helps to take a quick pause before those words leave your mouth um, Mm -hmm. because it will affect that working relationship, that trust, that relationship in general, or how things, you know, I feel like get felt later because they're going to remember how you made them feel versus exactly what was said. A hundred percent. That is so wise. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned on the top at the top that we get to decide what we do with it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I can't control folks receive my feedback, but if it is bathed in grace and prayer, I pray before I coach, because I know there's something sacred that happens when you Mm -hmm. share creative things with people. Right. Yeah. That's not, it's not, it's, um, not to dog a tire changer, but it's different than getting your tire changed. You know, there's like a physical something that happens there. The tire's broken. We're going to fix your tire. Here's your better tire. There's something different with words and chemistry and the alchemy that happens there. So I, I take that pretty seriously. Um, and I do my best, but as you mentioned, the person on the other side has to decide to be, um, willing Mm. and humble. Mm -hmm. talk about Mm -hmm. something in short supply in in today's world. Humility is not super sexy. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not very, not very many people say, oh, you know, what I really, really appreciated about that celebrity's speech was that it was so humble. Like, <laughs> it's just not, you know, no one, no one in most spheres now do not run on humility. And so um, if people are giving me feedback, obviously often my first knee jerk reaction is to be defensive. Mm-hmm. So to be able to take a big breath, as you said, and say, I'm just going to approach this with humility. The posture changes, the conversation changes, and you probably get something better from it if you're if you're starting from that point. Yeah, for sure. All right, that was a great little nugget there. So let's let's talk about time. I know we've talked a lot about time and coaching, right? There's never enough time. There's never like even in our in our jobs, there's never enough time. There's always more work to be done at home. I feel like there is always another chore that pops always. up. Always. Always. Dog puke that's got to get cleaned up later. Like there's always something. Always. And, and so how how do you make time? Tell our listeners how you make time to either pursue a career pivot or pursue a hobby or an interest that helps kind of fill their cup back up. Like how do you mm. how did you make any time? Oh, can you I know we probably could have this? another one. <laughs> <laughs> um. I have tinkered endlessly with this. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me just first off say you are not talking to the time expert. I do love me a good deadline. Mm -hmm. I just do. I think it's super helpful. And it's been interesting. The longer Bob and I've been coaching folks, it's super interesting that, you know, a variety of personalities come to the idea of writing a book. And some of them are absolutely fly by the seat of their pants. They probably sign up for coaching late at night when they've had one glass too many (laughs) and they think, wait a minute, what am I getting into Mm -hmm. all on the other end of the spectrum? It's someone who's been thinking about this for 15 years and is finally like, I am going to get boots on the ground with this book and get this thing done with everything in between. But all of those people seem to really get after it when there's a deadline. Mm. most often it's self-imposed, right? So if I say, I would love, I've always wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to do this. And I'm, I have a full-time job. I have three kids. I have a busy life. When is this going to happen? The answer is never. Yeah. Unless you throw some elbows, you're going to have to throw elbows and you're going to have to, you're going to have to give something up for this to take its place. No one that I know has an extra six months in St. Bart's where they can sit on a beach with their laptop and write their magnum opus. Do you know people, Jen? Anybody doing that? Anybody calling the recruiting office and saying, aesthetics bad, I'm in St. Lucia. I mean, no one does that, right? No, Mm -mm. I've never seen anyone who has that kind of time or extra time. Even like I've heard, I've heard someone say that they like left for six weeks and they went and wrote and I'm like, but did you have kids? Like, where did yeah. where did you put them for six Wait. weeks? Like, <laughs> they were under the writing desk and right. were hungry. You'd right. throw a breadstick every now and then. Right. Yeah. That just does not happen in my life. So I think the answer is to just get real scrappy with it, mm. right? You did this. You had mm. all sorts of things going on. Not one of those things stopped, right? No. You no. had to stop them. Yeah. Which means absolutely involving the people in your house, right? You Mm -hmm. talked a lot about this with your husband and your kids. They knew exactly what you were up against, which is the only way this really works well without people ending up disliking each other at the end of the process. Yeah. Um, You got up real early. That wasn't (laughs) your 
favorite thing to do, but sometimes you just have to do that. I wrote two of my last books. I had summer deadlines and both times I would say out loud, I'm never doing this again. I do not like this time of year for writing because, you know, kids come down at any time. I want to be playing with them. Mm -hmm. So I just got up earlier and earlier and earlier to avoid um, just to have quiet. Yeah. You can make it happen, but you're going to have to get a little fierce with yourself and then calendar it out put it on your calendar and pretend like it is, I was going to say colonoscopy, but I would want to skip a colonoscopy. Pretend it is a very important medical appointment (laughs) for your child. You can't even pretend it's for you because you'll blow off your own. So Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know I see your face. (laughs) So, so that's what I would recommend. Pretend it's for someone else that you love and you cannot schedule anything there. And then it's just a matter of math. Right. If you know you want to write 50, 60,000 words, this is how many words I do per week. This is how many weeks it's going to take. This is how many months it's going to take for a rough draft. But it's a pain in the tusher. I would be lying to you if I, if I didn't say about 20K in, you're going to think, oh, no, this was a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. I should be renting a minion costume and on a corner right now. This would be that would be a much smarter use of my time and I'd get tips. I'd get um, tips and I'd start making money right away versus the delayed saying. gratification of it's so book. delayed, so <laughs> delayed and not promised, right? No, like there, no. nobody says finish it and then people will pay you. So mm-hmm. there has to be a higher value somewhere in there, right? This is a project yeah. you've always wanted to do. This is something that even if it's only the five people, four people, two people in your family that they will grow from it, like something has to, something has to be above the sacrifice, right? Something has to propel you through that. And that's true for anything that matters, right? That's why we continue to mother our children, even when they're difficult. Correct. Because there's something above the sacrifice. There's something more important than the fact that here I am again at 1030 (laughs) and my teenagers have just started to talk to me about their inner life. There's something worthwhile beyond the bags I will have under my eyes tomorrow. We choose these things all the time. And I don't think it's any different from a project or a pivot that's been on the docket for so long. Yeah. Just got to make it happen. You did. Mm. You can speak to this. What did you need to do? Yeah, I threw a lot of elbows and Mm -hmm. I had to get up earlier than what was ideal, Um, but I actually had to make myself get up when I set the alarm. And then I had to be really quiet because I thought it was a good choice that nine months into owning a brand new business that I was going to get two puppies, not just one. I decided that two was a better idea, the best plan actually. And so I would be very, very quiet when I woke up. And so to not disturb anybody to write. And sometimes I'd get done writing and I'm like, well, it's done, but I don't know what time it is now. And (laughs) I don't know where anyone is in my house. And so, you know, I'd have to come downstairs and my husband would be like, the dogs are fed. This one's having yogurt. Good husband. So sweet. So sweet. But it takes a village, right? Yes, it, it takes does. people around you to at least understand what you're up against. Mm-hmm. And at least to say, you know what? This is a season and I am in it with you. You will get yeah. more help if you mention this won't be our forever, right? Yes. Like yes. we all have, and your husband has things in his life as well that yep. they're for a season and you work overtime to help him get through that. So, um, 
talking about that out loud, I've met an in just a ridiculous number of people, typically women who try this without involving anybody else. Like they, oh. and also me, I did this for years. Like I don't want to bother anyone. So I'll just yeah. write when everyone's sleeping or gone or bad and then I'll make dinner. I mean, I think I told you the first time my book, my first book that came in a box in the mail, Mark was like, guys, look, look. and they looked at us like, that's not true. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> when she didn't, not when I was here, he turned the book around and was like pointing to the author photo and saying, no, really look at this is mommy. And they looked at me like that cannot, you're making this up smoke and mirrors. And we laugh about that, but that really has another layer underneath, which was, I was so wanting their lives not to be disrupted mm. that I about killed myself making this happen for years. Only when I started saying out loud, not just to Mark, but also to our kids, I need help. Mm -hmm. I need help. I can't get this done unless you, even if it just means that you give me an hour or if it means that you say, mom, I totally get it. I totally get it that you need a little bit of space or saying on a day that I know I'm going to write something that's emotionally taxing for me, saying I'm going in when I come out, I'm going to look a little weird. I might've cried. I might be a little cranky and just getting a little bit of grace on the front end for that. Oh, I wish I would have learned that earlier. Mm, that's great, great advice of, you know, kind of warning and building up your team before yeah. you kind of go in the fight. Cause you got to go in the fight alone, right? No one else was going to write those chapters, but me, but if you're kind of filling everyone in, they're a lot more supportive than you think. Absolutely. Mm. They're totally rooting for you. They love you more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So that's a kindness to them, but also to yourself. Yeah. To say, I'm not, I'm not actually doing this by myself. I, I need some help. And yep. I think we'd be, we're better at that in other spheres, but when it feels like, well, it's not even my real job, right? Mm -hmm. It's not even my first thing. No mm -hmm. one's paying me for it, right? Mm -hmm. That can be a jump. It can be a jump, but I'd say make the jump. It will make you more sane and it will make your, your family and the people around who you, who love you, they will be able to enter in and be a part of that process in a different way. Mm. Love that. Yes. All right. So now you talked about this job that we don't get paid to do when we write books. So what would you tell someone? Because, you know, Bob Goff is telling everybody to quit their jobs if they don't like them. So <laughs> you got to listen to that one if you haven't yet. So what would you tell somebody that, you know, they can't, they can't quit their day job to pursue a passion, but they've got a little bit of time. So you would tell them, you know, throw some shoulders and, you know, throw some elbows to make some of the time. What is one other thing that you would say is like, Hey, I, I, I promise if you chase this, you might get some magic out of it. Well, I, first of all, I'm a firstborn female and Bob isn't. And so Bob <laughs> always feels the freedom to tell people to quit their jobs. And I'm like, Oh, oh wait, 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 let's look at the 401k just a second before right. you do that. Um, so I'm not quite as wild and probably to my detriment for sure. We're usually a good team because yeah. Bob will say, quit the job. And I'll be like, what's your other job? Right. <laughs> do you have another job that you're going to keep? <laughs> or you quit that, that, that pays so, you dollars um, for your hours, right. not pesos, <laughs> not happy feelings. Right. Um, there, the, I wish I could promise anything and I really can't in terms of, 
um, job security or um, financial outcome. I have had advances all over the board. I've had advances. One, I, one advance that I had was 11 times a previous advance, 11 fold increase. So I'm just saying it is a wild journey and yeah. some days are better than others and some books will earn more royalties than others. Um, what is constant and the reason I can't quite kick this thing and quit this job of writing is that there is nothing like words that have lived in your head reaching across the miles or across time and changing the way somebody thinks or helping them think more clearly or understand something that they, they suspected was true, but finally having it click. Mm. Um, that's just a beautiful thing. It never gets old. I never open reader emails and think, Oh, snooze fest. Another person whose life was changed. Like that is just an amazing, just a phenomenal word defying moment every single time. And I love it every single time. So that's probably what keeps, keeps me returning to it. I would say in addition to making space and time, um, I would give yourself runway. Okay. So I've met a lot of folks who say, I've been working on this book for X number of years. One person that I met said it was 14 years, same book. Wow. That was a little um, much for me. First of all, 14 years ago, I was a very different person. Yeah. And my guess is that that book has been through so many iterations that it probably looks nothing like it did 14 years ago, for better or for worse. I'm sure there have been some improvements, but there has to be a time in your head and preferably on your calendar where you say, and now I'm done. This is the best book I can write right now. Mm. This is the best version of this book. You, I would highly 1000% encourage you to hire a professional editor who can help you really ship shape it up. But as far as your content creation, there has to be an expiration date. There will be other books. There'll be yeah. other seasons. You will be other people, right? You know, things now that you didn't when you were 21. Thank you, Jesus. Thank right? you Jesus, for that. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. And so that will change. And that's a good thing. If you hold on to the project too long, I think it just becomes a different project, not necessarily a better project. Mm. So I would say giving yourself the freedom to have a deadline. And that also goes for if you're choosing traditional publishing, how many months are you going to query an agent? Put a stamp on it, right? And if you haven't had um, any bites and you decide uh, I haven't found the right fit, that's, that's it then. Then you turn to self-publishing and you do that book self-publishing. And if you want to write another book, do, you know, embark on that quest. Mm -hmm. I think people get in trouble when they're like, oh, I just, I really have one version of this dream and it will only work in this version. I think that's bunk. And I think that prevents you from getting your words out into the world. Sometimes you just have to say, this is the expiration date. This is the final. And I'm going to give birth to this thing. Yes. Come hell or high water. And yeah. I think that's a healthy way to go about it. You would never be pregnant for 15 years. Never. Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. There's a Everything's got an expiration that. date, Kim. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's time to push. Yeah. Gotta get out. <laughs> but, you know, if we make it too precious and usually that means it's so about us by that time. Right. Mm -hmm. I know that is true in my own life. If I'm holding on to something that fiercely and that long and nobody else seems to get it. 
there's probably something too wrapped up in me there, right? Like it has to be like this and there's only one version. Well, okay, then you're going to have to print one copy and it's all for you. And that's okay. Then you decide that's okay. But if you want it to get to a larger audience, you need to have rhythms and cadences, including end dates. Mm, Love that. All right, listeners, you've heard it from Kim all about this writing coaching and making a pivot, setting deadlines, and then giving feedback in a way that is kind and empowering and gives that next person some courage. So we are so thankful for you listening with us today. Kim, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Life is better with you in it. And listeners, life really is better with you in it too. Thank you, Kim. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. It was a total joy. Yay. Have a great day. 